0: to create a listener account, and in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening, so you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat, and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to New Books and Christian Studies, a channel on the New Books Network podcast. I'm your host, Crawford Gribben, and today my guest is Jeffrey S. MacDonald. Jeff is a pastor of Avery Presbyterian Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and he's also an affiliate professor of church history at Sioux Falls Seminary in Omaha. He's also the author of a new book, John Gerstner, and the Renewal of Presbyterian and Reformed Evangelicalism in Modern America, just published by WIPF and Stock. Jeff, it's great to have you on the show. Great to be here. And congratulations on your book. Before we begin talking about the book, about John Gerstner, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: yeah well um I've been a Presbyterian pastor uh for a little over twelve years, and my family's Presbyterian um and my my dad worked at various colleges as a as a coach uh for the first fifteen years of his working career and then he became a pastor and so um he's been a pastor for about twenty five years now. And uh the church that he serves is left the Presbyterian Church USA about ten years ago and joined the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And I also, um the church that I serve now, uh, left the Presbyterian Church USA and joined the Evangelical Presbyterian Church um a few years ago as well. So I have roots in the in the Presbyterian Church USA, but now all of our family is in what is known as the Evangelical Presbyterian Church.
1: Now, you that, that, that very rich ecclesiastical background is something which informs the way you approach your subject in this book, isn't it? John Gerstner and the Renewal of Presbyterian and Reformed Evangelicalism in Modern America. What's the background to the book, Jeff? How did you come to write this project?
2: Well, I, I felt that um, I wanted to do something um, with kind of evangelical Presbyterian history and um, I had read a biography of W. Stanford Reed that Don McLeod had written, and uh, that was just a, a great book about a Canadian evangelical presbyterian uh, historian, it really told the story of you know, evangelical presbyterianism in Canada um, very well. And so I was inspired by that book uh, to look for someone similar here in the United States, someone who... Uh, worked within the mainline church and was an evangelical Presbyterian historian. And so I, I knew about John Gerstner and, um, that's what led me to, to write, to write on him. And, and I also felt that Gerstner, um, and the old United Presbyterians, um, really had been neglected within the field of Presbyterian history. And so I felt, uh, I felt Paul to to write on him and and to tell his story and to uh, show the the influence that he had in, in in you know developing evangelical and reformed evangelicalism.
1: Now you, you you describe this project as an exercise almost in denominational history. That's a very very modest way of approaching it, Jeff. Because you, your subject, f- for all that Gerstner may not be a household name uh, n- nowadays. The subject of your book is someone of enormous importance in what has become one of the fastest growing and perhaps most intellectually influential movements within Protestantism, at least in the West, in the last couple of decades. Isn't that right? What One what, what of the things that you show here is that the surge of Calvinism uh, through evangelicalism in the West over the last couple of decades has a number of really key individuals who work behind the scenes uh, to, to facilitate and to enable uh, the, the the establishment of, of major organisations or, or ministries which go on to achieve enormous success and influence, um, catapulting this movement onto the front page of Time magazine uh, 10 years ago. So if I was to say to you, who is John Gerstner? Uh, why does he matter? And why have we not heard about him before? How would you respond?
2: Well, John, John Gershner, um, who was born in 1914 and grew up in, in Philadelphia. And his parents, um, you know, were not Christian believers. He said that he had no Christian influence growing up as a, as a young person. And it was, uh, really through, um, a, a girlfriend in high school who took him to a united Presbyterian church there in Philadelphia. But even, even after attending that church, you know, he really, had not uh, committed his life uh, to Christ, and he became um, uh, made a decision for Christ while while touring a, a Bible college in Philadelphia. And he asked the the dean of the school, you know, what do you teach here? And the dean shared with him the gospel message. And when Gersner left the school that day, and he was walking down the steps. That's where he said he made his decision for Christ, and um, he took some summer courses there, but. His involvement in the United Presbyterian Church um, led him to go to a uh, United Presbyterian school out in western Pennsylvania called Westminster College, and there he played a, a – he was a very active um, – actively participated in the life of the school and was a, a very good student at the college, and there he studied under a person named John Orr who was uh, an evangelical Presbyterian um, theologian and philosopher and who had been a student of Benjamin Warfield and of Jay Gresson Machen and uh, Orr um, became a lifelong influence uh, on John Gershner. And um, after studying at Westminster, uh, Gershner went to um, receive several degrees from Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia. And then wanted, uh, to pursue academics. He was a very good high school student, uh, graduated near the top of his class and a good college student, really excelled academically and, and even in seminary excelled academically, graduated with honors. And so he, uh, was accepted to, into PhD studies at Harvard University. And there he received his, his PhD, um, in the history and philosophy of religion and uh did a, a PhD dissertation on James McCosh and i don't know all the the reasons why he chose uh, McCosh um but i think i think it had to do with the fact that McCosh represented uh you know the tradition that he was uh, associated with himself in terms of of being a conservative uh, calvinist but also someone with philosophical interest and i think um um McCosh helped Gershner deal with um you know big some big issues. You know, how did McCosh deal with Emanuel Kant? Uh, how did McCosh deal with um Charles Darwin and and uh and answers and responses and and reason, you know, well thought out reason responses to those big um, names and, and Western thoughts, you know, really helped Gershner. So I think that's Uh, The reason he wrote on on the Kosh, but after after PhD studies, he was pastor for a few years um, in the Pittsburgh area and wrote a lot of book reviews. And he was a he was a United Presbyterian pastor. That's a that was a smaller, the third largest denomination in the United States at the time. This was in the the late '40s, and um, he got the attention of a, a theologian. At Pitt Xenia Seminary, and Pitt Xenia was the only seminary of the United Presbyterian Church in, in the United States. And the field, so Addison Leach, uh, became aware of John Gershner's writing and eventually, um, wanted Gershner to be on the faculty. And so then in 1950, Gershner became professor of church history at Pitt Xenia, uh, there in, in Pittsburgh. And, um, while serving there, he immediately, um, associated with himself with the, with the larger evangelical movement and became a contributing editor when Christianity Day was founded in the mid 1950s. And, um, during that time, he also came to oppose, uh, the merger between the larger, um, PCUSA and the UP church. Kirchner was very, um, a lot of concerns about liberal theology in the PCUSA and the fact that the p c s a never adequately dealt with uh, the auburn affirmationist that was a more um the auburn affirmation was a more liberal theological statement and called for greater toleration and Gershner really felt that if the u p church united with the p c u s a church that the u p denomination would just simply be swallowed up and and liberalized and so um, Gerstner fought, fought against that, but was unsuccessful, and um, the two denominations came together to form what's called the, U- the UPCUSA, and then also the UP Seminary in Pittsburgh had to unite with the uh, more liberal TCUSA in se- Seminary in Pittsburgh, which was called Western Seminary. And so Gershner served on uh, that new consolidated seminary faculty. Uh he was an evangelical minority on that faculty, uh but really thought to be a to be an evangelical Presbyterian witness. Um
1: and that's where he began to make some of his contributions in terms of history and philosophy, wasn't it, at that point? But Jeff can you tell us a little bit about his formation in philosophy? Uh you mentioned earlier on that he had attended Gersner had extended Westminster Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, <clears throat> where um, you describe in the book uh, a philosopher called Cornelius Van Til, who had a very distinctive way of approaching uh, Reformed philosophical thought, didn't he? Can you, can you help us by, by reminding us what was distinctive about Van Til's approach and perhaps some of the reasons why Gerstner did not find it compelling?
2: Yeah, well, Cornelius uh, Van Til was a, a well-known Reformed uh, apologist and theologian, uh, but he he advocated um, presuppositionalism uh, that we need to presuppose God, and Gershner really disagreed with with that approach. He he, he was, was really influenced in college by by John Orr, and uh, Orr had a, had a more of a evidentialist approach. And the book that really shaped Gershner's mind uh um, was a book called English Deism, its Roots and Fruits, which mm-hmm. was published in nineteen thirty four by Erdman. And um that book is really not well known. Um but it, it shows you know it's a it shows the large sweep of the history of philosophy and connects it with um theological liberalism and um that's, that's really the, the book that, uh, shaped Gershner's mind in, in many ways. So he rejected Van Til, uh, on the apologetics issue, or the apologetic, uh, approach. Um uh, but he, he always, you know, was appreciative of Westminster Seminary and, and, really was, you know, agreed with, with Machen's analysis of theological liberalism and where it could lead. Um so, you know, that's, uh, Kind of his main, you know, his intellectual formation as a a young person.
1: So you you describe in the book how Gerstner, um, as you just reminded us, becomes a church a a church clergyman, becomes a seminary professor, uh, begins working in the areas of history and, and and philosophy as well. Um, but but he's as you reminded us too, he's an evangelical minority in a mainstream denomination. He's part of an evangelical minority in the seminary where he's teaching. Uh, But yet he he also wants to be supportive of and involved with projects like Christianity Today. The new magazine launched, I think you tell us, in the late 1940s uh, to, to, to advance an intellectually serious version of a conservative evangelical faith. Why does he get involved with Christianity Today when he has so many other things going on in his life?
2: Well... Even before Christianity Today, Gersner identified with the evangelical um, movement, and many many UPC um, clergymen, you know, identified themselves in that way. And there were many strong connections between Princeton, old Princeton, seminary professors like Machen and the UP Church. And that's one of the things that the book that the book brings out that really. Um, were previously unknown or, or not known about very much, and so um, one of the strategies of uh, the old Princetonians was not to just be an influence in the PCUSA, but to establish connections with the uh, United Presbyterian Church and United Presbyterian Scholars. And one of the ways that they did that was through an organization known as the League of Evangelical Students, which really has not. Um, Receive very much historical connection. But that organization was founded by Machen and and the president of Zenith and Melvin Grove Kyle. Mm. And, uh, they promoted evangelical and Reformed scholarship, uh, you know, across the Presbyterian family and into other denominations as well. And, uh, Gerstner's professor, John Orr, was a part of that organization and spoke at one of the national conventions and I and I and I think Gerstner probably attended one of those uh, LES conventions as well. Mm. Um so I think you know throughout his uh academic career both as a student and as a professor he always um you know was a part of that that wider evangelical uh movement and conservative presbyterian uh movement.
1: But you show us in the book how incredibly intellectually serious he is as well. <clears throat> he he gets involved, as you show us, in the Yale University project to produce the critical edition of Jonathan Edwards, a project that starts when in the late 1950s, and I think only concluded within the last decade, I think. Um, so, he, you know, he he's making all kinds of contributions. He, he's meeting all kinds of people, isn't he? Um, in the 60s and the 70s, He's gaining a reputation through his seminary work and the, the, the opportunities that creates for him. But it's also a time, it's a time of, of struggle on the one hand, isn't it? But also a time of new opportunities. You, you tell us both about the pressure at, in his seminary to, 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 to combine uh, with the other seminary in the city, but, but also you talk about his relationship with proteges with, uh, like R.C. Sproul. Who takes Gerstner's ideas really to a much broader audience than Gerstner could ever have, have found himself?
2: The the battles that Gerstner faced, um, you know, at Pittsburgh Seminary, um, you know, his, his struggle with liberalism, I think, in many ways, motivated his scholarship, and so he becomes a, a you know very strong promoter of Jonathan Edwards. He publishes a book, one of, the, one of the first books ever published by an evangelical author um, in the 20th century. Uh, John Gerstner, I think, was the first one to do that. Um, he, he published a book on um, Jonathan Edwards and, and um, the issue of uh, how Edwards dealt with the election. Um, so that was one of the things. And he felt that Edwards was um, kind of the key to the battle with theological liberalism, and so uh, that's why he promoted Edwards. Wrote on Edwards. He was involved uh, with the Yale, um, you know, the Yale volume on Edwards' sermons. Um, but he he promoted Edwards to so many students and and so many different lay people and pastors, and so Gershed really uh, had a key role in the development of Edwards studies uh, in the United States and so I, I analyzed that and, and show the different the uh, ways that he did that he also you know had a tremendous influence on RC Sproul. RC school also came out of a United Presbyterian background and graduated from Westminster uh, college and then scroll came to the new seminary right as it uh, consolidated but Gershner was his main mentor and they were uh, very close and then um Sproul launched uh Ligonier Ministries in nineteen seventy-one and um Gershner helped with that and became a professor at large at the Ligonier Valley Study Center. And that and that uh um, you know Gershner was a scholar, but he also he could be a, um, a popularizer and he did write books, uh, popular books like theology for for the layman and things like that. And I think that was one of the unique um, things about um, uni- the United Presbyterian Church is they were a much more populous um, church denomination. And even if you look at someone like James Orr from Scotland, you know, he could produce very high-level academic work, but he also uh, um, oriented um, his work towards the Christian public as well. And so that, that friend within the United Presbyterian tradition, the Cedar um, tradition, uh, seems to, you know, have been maintained by Gershner and you see it in, in Ligonier ministries today and, and trying to reach popular audiences with, you know, share with them, you know, reform theology with, for, for the lay people.
0: slash nbn50 to get 50% off.
1: You describe in the book um, Gerstner's family circumstances as well. I think you tell us that he lives literally down the road from Ligonier at one point. Is that true?
2: Yeah, yeah. He he lived, close to um, Ligonier, um, Pennsylvania, out in the country. He had a, an estate out in the country that's recently been renovated and made into a Christian retreat center. Huh.
1: And he spent a lot of time driving around, didn't he? And, and and you describe his life in the van. Can you tell us about how his life in the van contributed to his scholarly uh, projects?
2: Yeah, well, one of the really fascinating things about Gershon's life is that he really, you know, he went all over uh, to speak to different, you know, groups, and he was able to extend his influence because he, he was just willing to um to travel so much and he he would go and speak, you know, across the presbyterian family. So he would go to PCUSA churches, he would go to associate reform presbyterian churches, he would go to reform presbyterian churches. Uh you know, he he just um you know, was willing to um you know, speak in all these different uh, presbyterian denominations and 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 he really uh, was well loved, uh, across the Presbyterian, um, family and so became very influential that way. And he was, um, you know, in his van, he did have a Volkswagen van, he built a library and he could uh, travel different places and he would read while he was driving <laughs> and, and, uh, he would, you know, travel very long distances, um, to make sure that, you know, uh, his, his viewpoints were being heard amidst the, the different scholarly, um, you know, discussions. So he, he was able to, I think, extend his influence, uh, through all of his travels, and he taught at different seminaries. He taught at, you know, obviously at, uh, Pittsburgh Seminary. He also taught at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He taught at Knox Seminary. He taught various courses at Geneva College, which is the RP college, uh, just outside of Pittsburgh. And um, really, you know, the, all, teaching all these different uh, schools, I think, helped extend his influence as well.
1: Mm. Would would it be fair to say, Jeff, that Gerstner gets interested in this broader educational um, o- opportunities because, in some ways, he's quite unhappy in his home seminary?
2: Yeah, yeah, that that's very much the case. He um, he was. There was a kind of a, a few evangelical faculty members at Pittsburgh Seminary after it consolidated. And he was the most outspoken um of those evangelical faculty members and he really really disagreed with uh the, the theological liberalism um and some more from the even some the more moderate uh theological views at the seminary. He was he was trying to be an evangelical witness and represents what the old Izvenion, what the old evangelical United Presbyterian stood for. And so he he did not want to leave the seminary because he felt that if he resigned that voice um would be lost. And he felt that it was important for that voice uh to be heard, even though it was a minority um position. Uh so he, he did his best uh at the seminary to try to um you know, present his evangelical views to the other professors, uh, but many of them, uh, really, um, you know, had, had a, you know, rejected, uh, Gerstner's conservative views. He did play a, a central role in opposing, um, the, the UTC USA's Confession 1967, and he, um, was kind of the main The main professor to try to, to try to stop that, uh, confession from being adopted. And, uh, he, he lost, lost that battle. Uh, but I think in many ways, you know, since, ever since that confession was adopted by the, by the mainline church, the mainline Presbyterian body has, has declined numerically. And so I think, uh, Gerstner's concerns about it, um, you know, were, were well-reasoned and well-thought-out. And I think, um, you know, Gerson in some ways has been proven right in terms of what would happen to the church if they adopted that confession.
1: Hmm. So he he became an unhappy figure, a a, a source of controversy, the subject of controversy. And you show in the book how even his retirement party uh, became a site of controversy. Can you remind us what happened there?
2: Yeah, well, uh, some of Gerstner's friends, um, put a large, uh, got together a large retirement party and it was a really nice, uh, event and, and there was just uh, lots of nice, um, comments made about Gerstner and all his contributions and all the positive things that he was able to accomplish despite all the setbacks and, and despite being marginalized at the seminary, it was really a, a joyous event. But apparently, at the event, Gershner had made some critical comments about the mainline church in terms of their acceptance of a of a minister named Mansfield Shimon, who was allowed um, by the Washington DC Presbytery, the National Capital Union Presbytery, uh, they allowed him to be a pastor, even though he wouldn't affirm that Jesus is God. They asked him, uh, you know, is is Jesus God? And his response was no, God is God. And um, then subsequently Caseman, in the newspaper denied the body of the resurrection of Christ. And so Gershner and some other um clergymen, most of whom were former UP pastors, uh, they tried to prosecute Mansfield Caesimon in the in the church courts of the UPC USA and they were unsuccessful. Mm. But What came out of that dispute was the founding of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church in 1981. And that uh, denomination started with uh, 12 churches and now has uh, around 650 uh, Mm -hmm. churches throughout the United States. Hmm.
1: It's around this period that Gerstner comes to the conclusion that his denomination is apostate, isn't it? Which is the rationale for... The establishment of the new denomination, the evangelical Presbyterian church so if if he had become so disillusioned by what he perceived to be the the, the the diseased health of the denomination in which he had served as a clergyman, why does he turn his attention at this point to publishing big, big books against subjects such as dispensationalism
2: yeah that that's a good a good question um Ershner, uh, you know, he was an evangelical Presbyterian and, um, really, you know, even though he was in these, you know, various denominations, uh, and he tried to, um, you know, be the best scholar that he could be, but there were, you know, there's parts of evangelicalism that he, you know, had disagreements with. And so he, he really disagreed with uh dispensationalism, um and so he wrote a, a book near the end of his life dealing with that issue. He also disagreed with um evangelical leaders like John Scott and the annihilationist view, which um is, is common in, in or uh, it's more associated with British evangelicalism than it is with American evangelicalism. But Gerstner felt that some of those views on hell were um having a liberalizing tendency on evangelicalism. So Gershner did uh, write a book on on that issue as well. And he was asked to write the book on on that by a person named Jack White, who was a Reformed Presbyterian, but had a very significant position within American evangelicalism. He was the president of the National Association of Evangelicals. Mm -hmm. And so um, he, he did write that book. He was concerned about evangelicalism drifting in a a liberal or leftward direction, and the main reason for that is because he had experienced liberalism firsthand for so many years at Pittsburgh Seminary, and so he was always concerned or worried about evangelicals uh, drifting to the left theologically, and so he he tried to counter uh, some of those moves. And um, so that was, that's one of the things that makes Gersner unique in many ways, is that he, you know, uh, he was one of the very few evangelicals in America to teach on a a seminary that was more liberal, but yet maintained his evangelical and conservative uh, beliefs. And he, one of the things that happened after C-67, when that confession was adopted is, um Gerstner and R. C. Sproul and uh another gentleman whose name is Jay Grimstead, who came out of the old United Presbyterian Church, they they were the ones that launched the International Council on Biblical Inerrancy, along with the Anglican G.I. Packer and the Lutheran John Warwick Montgomery, because they were concerned about um, you know, about liberal, you know, liberal uh, beliefs about scripture, but also evangelicals who who were moving leftward on the doctrine of scripture. Mm. And the the reason that they did this is they they had experienced, you know, liberalism coming out of, uh, you know, Presbyterian liberalism um, coming out of the mainline Presbyterian church.
1: Well, you you show us how Gerstner begins as a fairly marginal figure, and in some senses, um, ends up as a much more marginal figure, at least within the communion in which he had spent most of his life. But but his life isn't a failure. You don't present his life as a failure, do you? Where do we see Gerstner's influence today?
2: Yeah, I, I definitely do not see his career uh, as a as a failure. I, I think there were uh, he was marginalized. He did lose a lot of these ecclesiastical battles. But my argument is that in these losses, uh, there were many Presbyterians who became upset and and wanted you know, who agreed with Gershner. and so I, I I believe that what developed out of these losses is something known as um, uh, reformed or Presbyterian Reformed Evangelicalism, or or uh, maybe another way of saying it is is that movement accelerates and actually gains strength uh, the more. The, the mainline church becomes more and more liberal, it causes the uh, the, the growth and expansion of Presbyterian and Reformed evangelicalism. Uh, and so I think you see um, the growth of Ligonier Ministries from the early 70s to today. You see uh, all these new... Um, you know, evangelical and conservative reform seminaries that that pop up all across the country. You see the expansion of other seminaries like Gordon Conwell and Fuller that uh continue to um grow. And you see, you know the the different um you know, there's small reform publishing groups. There's Reformed University Fellowship, which is a a campus ministry associated with the Presbyterian Church in America. That, uh, you know, starts pretty small and yet today has a ministry on over 100, uh, plus campuses across the United States. And then you also see the influence of Ligonier in kind of the wider, um, uh, in kind of wider American evangelicalism, uh, through people like Chuck Colson, you know, Skrull's influence on Chuck Colson. You even see it on Skrull's influence at Willow Creek Church, uh, one of the largest churches in the United States, uh, had a had a profound influence on the founder of that church, uh, and so I, I do think that um, you know Gerstner's efforts and all these different things of biblical inerrancy um, were not a failure, and that they and that they have actually led to the growth of um, this Calvinist-oriented evangelicalism um, that we've seen over the last twenty-five to thirty years.
1: Hmm. Well, Jeff, you, you've written a fantastic biography. It gives us insights into someone who's of genuinely structural significance in religious trends that we can see today. John Gerstner and the Renewal of Presbyterian and Reformed Evangelicalism in Modern America, just published in the Princeton Theological Monograph series uh, with Wipf and Stock. Thanks so much for coming on to the show today to talk about this book. Uh, before we wind up, can you tell us what you're working on at the moment?
2: Well, I have a, um, a paper on... The League of Evangelical Students, which Nation founded, and so I'm, I'm working on that. I'm going to have a paper published on, uh, Estimation Nation and the influence of classical studies, which hmm. will be published by Westminster Theological Journal, Great. Um, in about in a few months. And then uh, I want to do something on the, the influence, the wider influence of the Covenanter, the Cedar Presbyterian tradition and its connection to the growth of evangelicalism in the United States.
1: Hmm, sounds fantastic. Well, listen, Jeff, you're really busy. Thanks for coming onto the show to talk about your book. Thanks for your time uh, and take care.
2: Thanks, thanks so much for having me, Proper. I appreciate
1: it. It's great to have you here, and thanks to everyone else for listening. I'll see you next time on New Books and Christian Studies, a channel on the New Books Network podcast.